Hello guys, you're so welcome here today to this podcast, which deals with all things in relation to narcissistic abuse, understanding it and surviving it and actually going on to thrive. Hi guys, welcome back to another video in relation to uh, narcissistic abuse. And generally in this channel, I will cover the uh, experience of the intimate relationship with a narcissist. So uh, I've noticed in comments and in emails I receive from some of you uh, that it's very hard to recover from a narcissistically abusive relationship in the romantic setting. And there are various reasons and numerous reasons for this. People say I was able to get over any other relationship breakdown I had, but this one I'm really stuck on. And I just can't seem to get over the last hurdle. And I don't know why I keep thinking about this person and it's really getting to me and it's really preventing me from moving forward. So here is the thing. I know in the videos we cover a lot of the different aspects of the recovery and what we go through with narcissists. Guys, today I just like to focus in on one area because I think this is the biggest stumbling block for most of us, and I know it certainly was for me. It's cognitive dissonance. And for those of you who are new to the whole schmazzle of what it is, what it is to have been entangled with a person of this personality disorder, cognitive dissonance is when when you can see something, you get the education and you know what you've been through, but your brain is still telling you that you want this person and that they were good when in fact all the indicators and everything you experienced has shown you that they were not the person they said they were, that they didn't have your best interests at heart, that they were an abuser, yet the other side of you still wants to Go back to that person and remember the good times with them. So you have two different thought processes going on. And often in the healing process, um, you, you kind of fall down into the pit of cognitive dissonance. And it's like a, it's like a ball and chain around your ankle. You try and run forward and you're pulling this ball and chain after you and you can't quite get free of it. When you see something great in the distance for yourself, you're dragging this old ball and chain along, this old narcissist along with you. And it's a bit of a, a bummer. So let's try and address it and see how we can move forward with it. First of all, if we understand where it comes from, understanding and knowledge is the greatest thing, I think, to freedom to become the person you were meant to be. So here's the thing. Your brain is an amazing, an amazing computer. It's an amazing part of who you are. But it's separate. It's the mechanics of how you work, how your soul, your essence, your spirituality and all those parts of you kind of it's the internal functioning of all that beauty that you carry with you. And the narcissist comes along and he gives you or she gives you these big dollops of pleasure, real 
pleasure and it's very fast. And we think and associate in our brain, the mechanics of our brain that was built for our survival tells us, oh, this happiness and this pleasure and this contentment, this wonderful feeling I'm experiencing is because of this person. And this this happens quickly initially, but also over time, there's a huge amount of uh, grooming and reinforcement of this idea going on throughout the narcissistically abusive relationship. So your brain makes neural pathways in association with this person and strongly connects your happiness, your future, your self-esteem and your validation, all connected to this individual. So if you can imagine all these wires, all these connections having been made in your brain, in your mechanical self with the narcissist. And all these new wirings have also rewired and disconnected other wirings when you've been isolated by the narcissist, when you've rethought your relationships with friends and family because the narcissist has been manipulating all the time, has been programming you all the time they've been with you. So you've been asleep up in bed and the narcissist is busy down here with the new program. I know that's a very simplistic view, but actually, in effect, that's what they're doing on a daily basis with you. They're making disconnections in your brain and rewiring new connections. And then again, guys, here's the thing. When you leave the narcissist or the narcissist leaves you, you have this mechanical brain up here that has all these connections and you're beginning to introduce uh, new connections and new pathways in your brain to tell you, oops, this person was not who they said they were. I've been with a really, really nasty individual who was faking it all the time. But your brain has made these survival neuropathways telling you that this person is your future, is your self-esteem, is your survival mechanism. And these people over here who actually were your former support group who loved you dearly were bad for you. And you're sitting here with all this mess and feeling very sorrowful, feeling very, very much in pain and looking to reach out to make that pain better. And your brain is wired to tell you this person makes your pain better. So you're working, your soul and your spirituality is working and God is working to free you from this bad influence. But your brain is still programmed towards this person and chemically addicted to this person. And here's the thing. If you engaged post-discard with this person, the progress that your brain is making in rewiring and breaking the connections to this person are basically taking a step backwards and they get a chance to undo the programming you've done 
and put a new program in again towards them. And I'm going to give you a personal example of, for instance, if you accept the Hoover and re-engage with this person. I remember, and here's a little snippet. I remember that I knew about narcissism and a certain amount about narcissistic abuse because like so many of us, I had experience of a narcissistic person prior to the last relationship, let's say. And I remember going on YouTube and looking at Sam Vaknin's videos. I think that he was probably nearly the only person at that stage or one of the few people at that stage who were posting videos on YouTube. So that would have been, I don't know, about 10 or 12 years ago. So I had an idea of what a narcissist was. But unfortunately, I was totally, I was totally taken by surprise by the one I was with. And it wasn't till, God, it was weeks after or maybe months after that I started to put the pieces together. So a certain extent of knowledge does not, does not totally equip you for the next person you're going to meet. I was really wrong footed, guys, really wrong footed. That's why I suppose in a way I really delved into thoroughly getting the knowledge uh, post my relationship and studied and studied and queried and queried and really, really immersed myself in it so that this could never happen again. So anyway, getting back to the personal uh, instance, when I was hoovered and accepted the hoover for a few reasons, one, I wasn't healed and two, I was really curious to find out what would happen because I suppose I was kind of starting the channel and wondering, you know, God, was I really with the narcissist? And I'd like to really see, you know, what's he going to do and what's he going to say? And I found it fascinating. I'm really fascinated by psychology in general. I couldn't resist the opportunity to explore the personal circumstance I was in. So I had been talking over the year to a family member, to um, a person, a mutual a mutual connection about narcissism um, as I was finding out about it. So he was aware that I was quite intrigued with narcissism. And he, I remember him saying to me, oh, Paula, look, look, he was saying loads of other things to me um, in relation to the possibility of getting back together again. But one of the things he really honed in on was you don't want to be you know, now you forget about all this narcissism stuff that you're you're thinking about and you're looking looking at and talking about. That's a whole load of rubbish. You don't want to be looking at this kind of thing. You need to get yourself sorted out again, of course, a, a little criticism, which you will find if you do accept a Hoover, not a little criticism, a lot to get you back in, in control and online. So anyway, I was told, forget about that old rubbish. It, you know, it's it's just a whole load of rubbish made up by people who aren't happy in their relationships, etc., etc. That actually I put at the back of my mind and it did it did reprogram part of my brain that I had to unprogram again, because when you engage with a narcissist, the fog comes over you again. 
your your programs that they have in your brain start to run again, it's like they get back access to your computer and they switch go, 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 go for all the apps that haven't been working for a while. So it's very difficult and it's very dangerous to accept a Hoover from a narcissist. I escaped, luckily, and I'll maybe go into that in another video. But that was my experience with cognitive dissonance. It didn't help my progress in rewiring my brain. It did in a certain way because I had I had the knowledge, you know, that I'd gained and I had been studying it hard. So I was very interested that I was told to forget about narcissism, that it, it's a whole load of codswobble. It doesn't exist. And it's just for people who can't have successful relationships to, um, you know, to excuse to make an excuse and to go down that road. You don't need to be going down that road and forget all about it now. Everything's fine. So another thing, guys, I'd like to bring up in in this uh, cognitive dissonance stuff is in order to rewire your brain, it's a great thing to do to look at red flags or to look at what the narcissist has done besides looking in the DSM and relooking your relationship and maybe getting coaching and working on yourself. What I find was very interesting to do was to look at some of the gobsmacking moments that you might have had with the narcissist. That if you're to be really honest with yourself, I'm guessing while you were having those moments in the relationship, you kind of maybe looked at them and went, the back of your mind, there's definitely something wrong with this person. Like I this is this is astounding. So one of the moments that I came across that I do remember was the narcissist. I don't know if, if some of you new guys on the channel don't know about uh, Mr. Remy, my dog, who I love to bits, I love dearly and who's come on some of the walks and I do some posts about him. Anyway, he to me is a family member and a great animal lover, a great dog lover. So Remy had been with, with me about four years before the narcissist came to live with us. And, you know, narcissists like you to go on a lot of trips and they make life quite exciting for you and they want you to be available for them 24-7. So children, animals, hobbies, friends, family, anything that distracts you from them, from being there for them, basically, to serve, to go with them, to entertain them, to be supply for them is seen as a threat or a nuisance. So to cut a long story short, Mr. Narcissus says to me, would you would you ever think um, of maybe rehoming Remy? And I remember going, what? But I don't know, I guess... You know, when you're kind of in the relationship, <laughs> when they come out with these humdingers, you're kind of attuned to not reacting, but to kind of go, I kind of, my, my approach was mild. I said, rehome him. And then the psychology of it all got to me, you know, was getting me going. And I was saying, this is very interesting at the back of my mind. So I said, oh, rehome him. And. Uh, why would I do that? And I remember him saying to me, well, like, 
you know, he, you know, when we have to go away and, and stuff and you have to get someone to mind him and, you know, it's it's a real nuisance. It's a real responsibility. It's a real bind. So I said, oh, OK. And I actually played along with it to see. I wanted to see what would come out of it instead of going, are you joking me? <laughs> are you joking me? Like, you're telling me, Zay, to get my son adopted. That's what it was like to me. But anyway, so I said, OK, to rehome him. You mean like with a family who has, say, kids and stuff, do you think he'd be happier there? And he said, yeah, exactly. You know, he'd be happier there, you know, and, and, and then we would be able to do things. We'd have more freedom. So I just went, uh, no, that, that's not going to happen. That ain't going to happen. No. So he said, OK, or whatever. And then he said, but you do know when he dies, like, we're not going to replace him. We're not going to get another one. I should have said, oh, really? Like, <laughs> you know, not like you as a narcissist kind of replace people. So we're not going to replace Remy. Anyway, I, I digress. So I said, OK, right. OK. And he said, like, how long do they live? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> how long do dogs, you know, the, like Labradors live? So, guys, I know this may sound a bit disjointed, but what I'm saying to you is. If you remember things like this and kind of think on them and think, wow, like how far apart were we as people and how I know some people don't like animals, but this was so cold, like it didn't take into any account the fact that that. I loved him or had a bond with him. It was just, he was a nuisance. He was in our way and really, you know, just rehome him, just get rid of him. Anyway, if you think back on moments in your relationship where you were just shocked, where the breath was taken out of you, um, Ray, another one, another one that is good to remember is when they lose it when they have the the rages and things like that. Um, besides all the things you learn about narcissistic abuse, like the grooming and the triangulation, the isolation, all of the manipulation techniques, all of the gaslighting, everything else that goes on for your cognitive dissonance, bring back those astounding memories of things they have said and looked at you straight in the eye as like they were acceptable things to say or or things to expect of you and take a while and be gentle with yourself in relation to the amazing cognitive dissonance and the work that your brain has to do. I'll tell you the key to cognitive dissonance is if you put in that work, if when you get a thought about the wonderful holiday you had with the narcissist and how happy you felt then, Remember that you were also possibly anxious at that time because there were these manipulations going on and you're kind of living on an edge, on, an, on a happy edge where it's like you're living on a high like you would get, say, from alcohol or drugs. You're living on a on an ecstatic few moments that you have to pay for in anxiety and lack of self-esteem and all the other things that you have to to pay for those moments in. 
It's like a narcissistic hangover is the result of those ecstatic moments. And that hangover can last for a very long time before you're able to reprogram your brain. And usually, like a hangover, you need to nourish yourself with uh, rehydrate yourself. You need to give yourself good, healthy things in your life. Uh, you need to get rest. You need to recommunicate with people that love you. You need to love yourself. And instead of abusing yourself with a narcissist, you need to pour onto yourself things that will make you feel refreshed and positive and wonderful to, again, as I said at the beginning of the video, go on to be the person you were meant to be, not stripped of your energy and stripped of your assets, stripped of your self-esteem and introduced to darkness, introduced to thoughts that are not worthy of you, introduced to feeling needy and feeling um, feeling your brain is messed up and in a fog. You need to put time between you and the narcissist with total no contact so you can reprogram your brain and objectively look at what you went through. Because remember, if you communicate, if you look at the narcissist's social media, if you have anything to do with the narcissists, the programs that were in your head will be reprogrammed and you will not be able to look at the situation with logic. Your emotions will be involved. Your brain will light up with the programs again that you're trying to, to scramble. You're trying to, to deprogram with, with you, with the truth basically, with the truth, not with a lot of fake imagery that your brain is getting confused by. So guys, again, the video is going on for ages. I hope uh, you got the message and I hope it's helped cognitive dissonance. It will go in time if you follow the advice given, if you follow the steps given, it will, will disperse. And look, here's the deal. Here, I'll do a deal with you that you can do with yourself. Give yourself a year of no contact from the narcissist and say at the end of the year, you decide, oh, no, I still miss them and I want to go back to them. You know, give yourself that out and say, well, I'll put the year in and I'll say to myself at the end of the year, if I still feel the same as I do now, then I'll reconnect with them. Bet you won't. I bet you won't. But, you know, sometimes we need to do a deal with ourselves um, to help us make that step you know, do something really hard, we kind of say, I'll give myself the out at the end if I need to. Guys, take care of yourselves and I will see you again soon. Stay blessed. And I am going to give Remy a big pet because he is my love and I still have him and I don't have the narcissist. I guess I got the better part of the deal here. <laughs> okay, guys, bye bye. See you soon.